Hello and welcome to the 14th episode of Woman, Conversations for the Curious, a podcast I created for women looking to squeeze more juice out of life. I'm Amy Crawford, founder of online wellness hub, The Holistic Ingredient, mindset therapist, blogger, whole food lover, and more than a little bit passionate about helping you feel comfortable around what it is to be a woman. So today I'm delighted to introduce a Californian-based Australian, Euphemia Russell, to the podcast. Euphemia is a somatic and pleasure coach, facilitator and author. They are trained and certified in sex-positive education, sexual violence counselling, somatic coaching, trauma-informed facilitation and has a background in community cultural development. Euphemia, welcome to the podcast and thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Amy. Such a pleasure to be here. Now, this is quite an introduction and I'd, I'd love it if you could just tell us a little bit more about yourself and also how you, you come to find yourself in California. <laughs> when you're actually reading that out, I was thinking, I'm like, wow, that's a mouthful. There is a lot in that. And so it was good to have that reflected back to me that there are a lot of elements in that and also wording that maybe people are like, what on earth are you talking about? So... I suppose if I had to really distill all of that, it's basically about I work in service for people's body autonomy and pleasure and to feel more aware of their bodies and therefore their emotions, their sensations and their capacity for pleasure. So there's more to it than that, but basically all of those things support that desire for all of my clients and the people I work with. Okay, so can I ask, um, how did you come to find yourself in this line of work? Where did it start? It's a great question. I wish I had this really succinct Genesis story because I get asked that a lot. I'm like, sadly, it was this unfolding. I'm not sadly, but it was not so clear cut. It was a gentle unfolding of realizing the potential that I had. And actually, you asked why I came to California. Mm. And the first time I visited California was because I had become aware that there was different ways of teaching and working around sexuality because my experience of sexuality had been very limited in Australia and in Melbourne to Tantra. And I'd, been, and I'd previously thought, oh, that's kind of the only way that people work with sexuality. And then I realized that there was all these amazing people on the West Coast of the US that were doing all these amazing things around queer sexuality. So I identify as non-binary. So my pronouns are they, them, and I don't identify as a woman. Um, and it was really exciting to see that potential. And so actually that's why I came to California the first time was to see the sex positive community and see all the events and meet these people that I'd been admiring from afar. And then ended up doing a, so a training here actually um, and then met my partner and then we did long distance and I moved here so it's been also a slow unfolding of moving to this country along with my slow unfolding of why I do this work and how I came to it. And so do you envisage yourself coming back to Melbourne or do you feel like California is becoming home in light of sounds like a, a, a real you're probably feeling a lot more comfort in terms of the work that you're doing over there. And as you were saying, the opportunity there is mm. quite different. But can you, I'm not quite sure, not different probably not the right word, but there appears to be a lot more opportunity for you in the work that you're doing. But I would hope that this is also an opportunity for you to bring, I hope, that back to Melbourne at some point. 
Yeah, I did not leave Melbourne because I didn't love it. I miss it terribly and grieve the landscape and the dear people and the culture. Like we, what Melbourne has is such an incredible thing in so many ways. And yeah, I do plan to come home. Um, but I also think that then that just means I will grieve what I have here. And that's the beauty and the burden of, of having lived in various places and having a connection and relationship. And so I imagine that probably really it will be about going back and forth in some way to get the best of both worlds, which is, um, I imagine going to be hard to balance, but also worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I should preface this conversation to the listeners by saying I've actually met you then. Euphemia, I was very well, um, very fortunate to attend um, a workshop they ran at Passion Fruit, and I think many of the listeners would have listened to a podcast I shared um, with Michelle Timmingoff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was well received. It was the top five things we might require in a bed, might need, or should have in a bedside table. Um, anyway, it was at the Passion Fruit store that I was fortunate to attend a couple of workshops. So I was really sorry to hear you were. You were departing because there was an awful lot to learn and I found them really valuable. So thank you. Yeah, I love that you came along and that you reached out and now here we are. What a beautiful evolution. (laughs) I am really eager to talk to you about something today that comes up for me, um, particularly in my therapy practice, but also in numerous conversations um, with girlfriends and some Mm. couples. Um, And it's around... um, that sense of difficulty many have in articulating their needs and desires both to mm-hmm. themselves and to others and it's something I'd really love to get your professional input on in um, because for someone personally who finds it quite quite simple to use my voice and speak my truth I think that that certainly hasn't come easily that's come with a lot of self-development and, and a lot of sort of mm. um, thinking and, and learning how to communicate but um, I, I think it'd be so useful to help to give people some sense of um, a better understanding of where this comes from, where this comes from, and how they can learn to better articulate. But I wanted to ask you firstly, why do you think it's so difficult um, for people to ask what it is that they want? Mm, that is a big question. I reckon a huge <laughs> question, <laughs> yeah. and um, I, I think it. Really depends on the person and the experiences in their life. Um, And there's so many different layers and things that shape us and how we move through the world, of course. Um, But if I had to try and capture the experiences that I see in my clients and the stories that I hear, and of course, I consider myself like a professional secret keeper because people tell me very intimate things that maybe they have never even articulated out loud before. And the particularly for people who find it hard to articulate their needs and desires or boundaries or capacity, um, I find that it's often people who are socialized as girls and as women. And that's not always the case, but I find that it is generally people who have learnt to please other people or be people pleasers and what's called appease others. So make if someone is someone else is feeling angry or someone else is feeling sad, 
they realize that for them to feel safe or to belong or to feel valued, they will try to change and tend to the mood of someone else as a way for them to feel safe. So often I find that people who have learned either in their families or in society to please others and appease others, that because they're so used to prioritizing other people before themselves, it means that often their focus is with someone else. Okay, so what you're suggesting then is that, for instance, there might be a fear, which may not be the right word here, but a fear of, um, I don't know, uh, putting expectation on someone else or putting somebody else out or... Yeah. 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 Okay. And that means that it makes it really hard to be aware of ourselves and also our bodies and our our sensations are our first language. They tell us our emotions that we're experiencing you know, often we'll experience something in our bodies and then we'll interpret them with our minds and try and read into what emotions we're having. And if we're focused on someone else more than ourselves, we're not aware of our own feelings, our own sensations and how we might feel. And that is socialized and then rewarded of being like, oh, you're so empathetic. You're so, you give so much. You're such a martyr Um, you're or potentially like oh I desire you because you uh, potentially put my needs before your own and I really value that about you so it's been rewarded again and again and then it means that so often I see that people with things particularly when it comes to pleasure when I say what what do you desire or what do you need to feel desire they say honestly I don't know And when it comes to sex, if people are saying, what do you want right now? Because I want to give it to you. Then it can become a vicious cycle where they go, oh my gosh, I don't even know. My mind's blank. I never even thought about this. And often in sex, it comes to people thinking, oh, if I prioritize someone else's pleasure, then they'll like me and they'll value me and they'll think that they want to have sex with me again and it becomes this really challenging way of saying oh I prioritize you more than myself and so I think that there's many layers but that's often the experiences that I see with people Uh, and it takes some learning and unlearning to come back to knowing our own needs and desires and boundaries around those things. I thank you so it sounds very much that at the very root of it, it comes down to us better valuing ourselves and better and really focusing on our sense of self-worth and that sense of permission to prioritise ourselves and recognise our value in any relationship. It's so layered, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It is. This is big stuff. And I think that we can only touch the surface of this conversation in our conversation today of like the bigger challenges, but also opportunities that can be found when we do start digging into what do I want? What do I need? Mm. And yeah, I think it absolutely does have to do with confidence and self-worth, but knowing that it's not just about, Oh, I'm broken or I'm not enough because actually it's a much bigger societal shaping where society has shaped us in this and that's something I think is really important to remember is this is not all your responsibility 
and to remember that you are not broken. And so often in society, we're told either you're not enough or you're too much, but mm -hmm. never that you can just exist and you are worthy and you deserve to receive and feel pleasure. We don't get that enough. No, no, we certainly don't. So a lot of, some of this, it's sort of taking me back to a conversation I had with a girlfriend some time ago now who um, we, were, we were chatting about this, her, her difficulty asking for what it was that she wanted. And I said to her, um, so what if, I said, does your husband ever give you a message? Like a shoulder message. And mm. said, yeah, yeah. I said, right. So, and you enjoy it? Yeah, I love it. Okay, so would you ask him to do that again? Um, with ease and she said yeah totally okay so what to you is the difference and this was really for me trying to better understand what was going on here what is the difference then if you saying the next night let's say in bed hey I loved what you did for me last night sexually mm. Will you please do that again because it really felt amazing mm. and she said there's no in 20 something years of marriage she's never asked her husband of that and I asked her why and she said because it's weird and I it, I, I feel weird and I I don't know mm. it feels a bit shameful mm. can I just ask what how what would your response be here is that if I know this is probably a really difficult question <laughs> but where does someone start so maybe mm. it is all such a broad topic isn't it this is also mm. late so mm -hmm. maybe if we could just start with helping someone ask and I don't know what yeah where to from there <laughs> <laughs> I think what you what you touched upon about the shame is that that is also something that we all battle with in society where shame is so baked into how we view ourselves and our bodies and sex that it makes it really complicated and it's not easy to be able to navigate and be like, oh, I like this thing and therefore I'm going to ask for it. And so generally where I start with my coaching clients or in workshops is saying to people, start in the small moments. And like you said, her being able to articulate wanting a massage, she could practice doing, articulating and asking for other things from her husband but she could also do that in her day-to-day -day life of practicing saying no to things or practicing asking for things or giving feedback. Like, for example, often we can struggle where it says, oh, would you please, for example, give me this massage? And then we feel like, oh, because we're receiving it, we need to receive it as is. So practicing giving feedback and being like, oh, actually anticipating and saying, oh, would you please... Uh, actually add a bit more pressure and focus only on this side and then you could get a little bratty or bo bossy about it because I think that's a good practice and makes it a bit more playful where you'd be like okay and now would you please kiss me here and kiss me here and kiss me here and then would you please tickle my arm in this way and just practicing articulating those things that aren't necessarily during sex that can help normalize and practice and build that muscle because that's I think that communication muscle. is a muscle yeah. where we need to practice and build that capacity so that we feel more and more comfortable in the bigger and weightier moments like sex. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the practices is what I call bossy sessions, 
whereas the person that's receiving practices articulating everything that they want moment to moment and the person who's giving really focuses on providing that as long as they feel comfortable and it feels respectful and that helps to really allow both people to talk and articulate and learn what the other person wants because maybe there has been this uh dynamic where it's like oh I thought you liked this and be like oh no I thought you liked giving it and often we can find like oh my gosh we've both been doing this thing for a long time where we thought it was for the other person and well at the same time and realize actually neither of us want this so it can help us to sort of unlearn or shift or find new ways of being together as well so I suppose in short to your question is practicing in the small moments and really articulating those things and then finding less weighty moments with a partner or with a lover to practice articulating those things. Maybe it's during a massage or maybe it's uh, exploring more sensually that's not necessarily genital focused or orgasm focused and really being able to feel comfortable and building that capacity and muscle. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a wonderful um, idea and it sort of takes me back to um, something else. I, I was chatting with somebody else on a podcast around that notion of giving and receiving and actually just mm-hmm. having like a contained space. So mm-hmm. it might be okay. So tonight um, one partner will just receive and the other will yeah. give and vice versa. And it's just full permission without obligation for anything in return. And I think that's a, that is similar. Similarly, is a, it would be a wonderful practice for people to get mm-hmm. comfortable with just receiving. Um, totally. Saying, okay. Yeah. yeah, there's a really, I can't quite remember the phrasing of it, but there's a really beautiful quote from Anais Nin, who's an author in, in the 30s, and she was quite like s- sexual and um, not necessarily ahead of her time, but much more visible about it anyway. And um, the, the quote is somewhere around how giving can often be a mask or a distraction from receiving. Right. Yes. And yeah. I think that a lot of people experience that where they give because it feels less vulnerable mm-hmm. than receiving. Yeah. Okay. So, so people could start at home by these by 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 simply utilizing in these small tasks, which would which seems like something that is far less confronting for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Where do people? What else do you would you recommend then if somebody is having? Um, difficulty around their self-worth or difficulty really recognizing their value and self-worth in a relationship is there anything that you recommend people do to start working on this area in terms of their own self-development pleasure yeah yeah I think pleasure is one of the ultimate expressions of self-worth when we experience pleasure we remind ourselves that we are worthy and we deserve to feel good And that is a revolution in itself. And it sounds a little bit like chicken or egg, where it's like you have to practice pleasure. And I talk a lot about how pleasure is a practice because it's not something that we prioritize in society. And so we need to build a practice around it to protect it and cultivate it. And at the same time to do that, we need to experience pleasure to build that. And the more that we do that, the greater potential we have for pleasure And that inevitably impacts our sense of worth and our sense of what we deserve. 
Okay, so does that so so by pleasure, do you suggesting that somebody start at the very least by focusing on self pleasure? Yes, absolutely. Yes. And also beyond a lot. So the book that I am currently in the final stages of of uh, versions of with the editor is focusing on pleasure also beyond sex. Often we think that pleasure and sex is synonymous. But actually, sexual pleasure is just one type of pleasure. So focusing on, I pose the question to myself many times a day and offer this to clients of how can I bring more pleasure into this moment or into this action or to this process and reminding ourselves that in most moments we have pleasure available. So can you be can I ask you to be a little bit specific here? Yeah, of Sometimes course. I think we need to be quite tangible about these things. So, mm-hmm. okay, so, so give me an example of moments in your day when you feel pleasure. Absolutely. So an, an example that I like to use is washing your hands. So obviously in the last year, we've been washing our hands a lot with the oh. pandemic. And often we can rush those things. So it can be about like, oh, just get this task done. I need to get on to the next thing. It's, oh, oh, wow, I'm about to wash my hands and I remember I even have hands. Wow, I have a body right now. Okay, how do they want to be touched? And hands have the most nerve endings after our face and our genitals. So they actually have a lot of capacity for pleasure, for touch and to receive, not just to give. And so maybe it's, okay, I'm going to put the water at the temperature that feels really good and take a few more seconds to make it feel really ideal And then actually just noticing and maybe giving yourself a bit of a hand massage where you just press or you stroke and you remind yourself, oh, this is actually a moment where I can tune in to my body and into myself and to really bring some pleasure into this process that otherwise could feel really like a task or another thing to do on your to-do list or just something in between in your day. And so that can be a really easy to say and harder to do to remember and stop and be like oh how can I bring more pleasure into any action in my day and this does take practice as I was saying to remember and ask yourself this question so I focus a lot on habits and how we can use habits and practices to build and support ourselves in our pleasure because we need to protect it and cultivate it and nurture it and so it's about maybe writing a note for yourself that says, how can I bring more pleasure into this moment? And every time you see that note, you stop and pause and ask yourself, oh, what is something I could do that's not sexual, but reminds myself that I have a body? Maybe it's walking down the street and feeling the wind on your skin instead of looking at your phone while you walk down the street instead. Just how can you relish or savor? And that to me really deepens a pleasure practice. Yeah, I think, oh, this is quite beautiful. So I'm envisaging post-it notes around my home. <laughs> How can I feel more pleasure in this moment? Because we do need constant reminders. So if you're setting, if you were to set, am I right in saying the people that clients you might work with, you would be recommending homework along these lines? So it would be okay, I'd love for you to set yourself to find, I don't know, five, time, five times a day or find your, your focus is to go out and find pleasure multiple times a day is that a really simple place for somebody to start or is that yeah. yeah 
Definitely. And I think that um, because we're fluid in what we want and need and desire, it's good to ask yourself that in the moment, but it can take practice to pause. And when I, I work with coaching clients over three months because it takes time to integrate and to remember. And so I hesitate to use the word homework, um, but, <laughs> but I give people things to focus on and integrate and say, over this three months, we're creating a foundation for your pleasure practice that you will come back to over a life because pleasure is never mastered. It's only practiced. And the more we can remember to come back to it, the better. Okay, and through that beautiful practice that is not homework, um, people, <laughs> you can help her to develop this sense of self-worth um, and obviously also that beautiful connection to their own body mm-hmm. um, and that wonderful familiarity and joy that they will feel through pleasure and as a beautiful knock-on to that, help them help them um, better articulate what it is that they might, they might want beyond just their own experience with their own body. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And the pausing is the big part. And that's why I focus a lot on slow pleasure because pausing and giving yourself a moment and space to be like, Oh, what do I need? What do I want? How do I want to bring more pleasure? The more we do that, the more we can listen to ourselves and be aware of those things. Yes. So it comes down to that beautiful sense of permission, doesn't it? That word is pausing and then giving self permission as well. Totally. That moment. Amazing. Um, so can I ask uh, for those listeners who are feeling truly inspired from these wonderful examples that you've been providing for how they can better their self-worth and um, use their voices, how could they, how could clients work with you moving forward? That's a great question. I, as I mentioned, I do coaching. So three-month coaching, which is either individual or relationship-focused. And I take in on new clients every three months. So I, I only have seven clients at a time because we really deep dive together. And then I also am uh, starting a, a program in September. And that is very much about how to prioritize your pleasure when you feel like you people please or default to others. And so it's focused a lot on what we've been talking about today. And then I also have various different sexual technique videos that are available to buy whenever and various guides on my website. And then I have my book, which is coming out next, early next year, date to be confirmed. Right, how exciting. Yeah, it is really exciting. I'm excited for new people to understand more about their own pleasure. And am I right in saying that you work with clients? I'm presuming it's a given that you work with clients via Zoom. So you do, I do. You take on Australian clients as an example, given I'm sure lots of my listeners are. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Okay. So where should they go to find you? To oh, And do you have a wait list or something for your course, your September course? Is there something they can do to join a list? or? The best way to do off? that, I haven't launched it yet but the best way is i have a newsletter which is my newsletter um where i share various tools and insights and so on and so that's the best place to receive it and um, you're ready what and what's the name of your website i wish you knew.net okay so i w i s h y o u k n e w dot net 
Great, thank you. And we'll make sure to all the listeners that all of the links to your accounts and they can find you on Instagram under your name now, I believe. Yes, Euphemia Russell. Okay, great. So we'll make sure that all of the, all of your accounts are linked up in the show notes for everybody to easily access. Um, Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thanks for discussion and some really valuable insight. I really appreciate it. Yeah, such a pleasure to chat with you and I'm so excited for the work that you do in the world. So thank you for having me. Okay, thanks so much. This was episode 14 of Woman Conversations for the Curious, a podcast with Amy Crawford of The Holistic Ingredient. If you'd like help fostering greater self-worth and letting go of anything holding you back from living the life you want and deserve, I encourage you to consider a transformational two-hour CTC therapy session via face-to-face in Melbourne or anywhere in the world via Zoom. Meanwhile, you can find all of the relevant show notes over at theholisticingredient.com forward slash 14. Until next time, stay curious.